0: This is the Revolution Now podcast.
1: Royalty-free music created by us, played by us. Feel free to use it. We won't plagiarise you. Welcome to the Revolution Now podcast. I'm Farah. I'm Janvi.
0: And through this podcast, we ask you, the listeners, to join us and to educate, organise and to agitate. Hello. Hello. How are you doing this week?
1: Oh, I'm absolutely perfect. How are you doing this week? Um,
0: I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, Could... in in that eight days of mourning. Oh, it's a really tough time. <laughs> and also, I guess whilst we're on this topic, um, I mean, what is going on? Honestly, what is going on for people who have been living under a rock um, this past well when did it happen so prince philip passed away on the friday um and that was a few days ago from this point and now the the whole of the country has gone into an official eight days of mourning um just in comparison one hundred twenty seven thousand people have died of covid in this country and they got one minute of silence um and it's just crazy what's been happening. I mean, Parliament's shut down; they can't pass any new laws. MPs have to wear black armbands. TV presenters have to wear all black. Um, Like all the flags are like, I don't. What is the phrase? Half 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 mast. Half half, half must. mast. Must. Half mast. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty crazy to be honest. And then we have Peter Prince Andrew making press statements, and um, if I find that pretty crazy in itself he's like you know he thinks we've all forgotten that he's like a prolific paedophile um it's just just makes the makes everything it's just crazy i have no words it's just crazy um but yeah another week another podcast um this week's podcast is called please don't protect us um so this is obviously going to be all about the police but not just the police in the uk in the us but police all over the world um and the very institution that it is um, I think we wanted to kind of open this podcast with why we decided to talk about why police don't protect us today. Um, and Janvi, do you want to go more into that? Yes, I do.
1: Let me just... Oh. So, recently there was unfortunately a 19-year-old young man who... Went missing. His name was Richard Okuroge. I apologise if I say that wrong. Please correct me um, if you know the correct pronunciation. Um, so he went missing. I believe it was around the twenty second of March. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, Farah. I don't.
0: I'm not sure, but yeah, it sounds. About I right. think.
1: Let me get that up. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, yes. So. He went missing on the 22nd of March before being reported missing on the 24th of March. Um, and obviously being a concerned mother, his mother went to the police and she felt that the police did not take his disappearance seriously and that she was just worrying unnecessarily. Um, and that he was actually an adult because he was nineteen, so had a right to privacy. Um and obviously being like if your child has gone missing or if a family member has gone missing you're going to constantly call the police for updates and help and call anyone you can and um, she said that in fact most of the time I was on the phone they were counting the minutes they said evidence you called earlier about an hour ago you're still calling there are no updates and I just think that's just very like that's just so insensitive to say to a mother of a missing of a missing kid like that's your kid he's missing and also Um, She also um, did not think and also question how much officers understood about Richard's health condition. He had sickle cell disease. Um, After they tried to reassure her he would find his way to a hospital if needed, she said, no, he can't. Do you know when you're in a crisis? Do you know what the pain is like? During a sickle cell crisis, blood vessels can become blocked by the sickle cells, which starves muscles, organs and surrounding tissue of oxygen causing substantial pain that left untreated can last for days and um, she also did mention that previously Richard did tell her that he was struggling to cope with university which he had been doing virtually and I think what really what really like brought it to me was the fact that she said in a interview that she said that I'm a staff nurse that's my duty and I have a duty of care, so I believe that the police had a duty of care for us. If I reported my son missing, it should have been taken seriously. I think if it was the other way around, maybe if I had that perfect English. And I think she, I think we shouldn't question because we don't look a certain way, because we're not of a certain ethnicity, because we're not born here, that we don't believe that people should take us seriously. You know, we're here. The police are there to protect all of us and to look after all of us. Um, and it's just... It's just really upsetting because the police officer... So she also said, I told a police officer that my son was missing. Please help me find him. And she said, if you can't find your son, how do you expect police officers to f- to find your son for you? And at a time when you're, exp- you're expecting sympathy, compassion, understanding, that wasn't given to her. And I think what really... Um, hit home for me is when she said it's my baby it's my treasure he's my oxygen he's my crown and I think for me that really got me because it's just she must be in so much pain and I'm thinking of praying with her and her whole family at this time and it's just such a sad situation and I wonder if they would have taken it seriously what the outcome would have been because I think everybody if you go missing it, and if your family reports you think everybody has the right to be taken seriously and every life matters in terms of if you go missing and your family know you better than anyone knows that this isn't right it needs to be taken seriously i think far i think far you had some some more to talk about
0: um yeah i just had some other kind of police failures that kind of show why police do not protect us um so there 's a few cases that I wanted to highlight. Um, the first case is the case of Shukri abdi um she She was a twelve year old refugee She was found dead in a river in Manchester. Um, the police made no arrests, and the investigation was adjourned um there wasn 't really much uh, energy like to even investigate what had happened to her, all of her family came out and said, you know, this is really unlike Shukri. She can't swim. She would she would even be near a river like this because they were trying to say, oh, she drowned. She fell in. tried to swim. She drowned. And that was the conclusion they made. Um, and her family, you know, were adamant that wasn't the case. And they, you know, they had told the police she was being bullied and um, all of these. But obviously nothing, nothing came of that, um, which is just another example of why police don't protect us. Um, another case I wanted to highlight was the case of Blessing a gun, I do apologize if I've mispronounced her name um she was a twenty one year old carer um she was found dead on a beach in East Sussex. Sussex police determined she died by drowning um and they didn't even investigate and the police made no arrests um and I think just kind of the comparison in cases because Shukri Abdi and blessing um they obviously they they weren't they weren't white okay and that's kind of it kind of shows the overriding um institutional systemic racism that does exist within the police because when you compare it side by side to what happened with sarah everard and as horrific as the case of sarah everard was and her murderer was a metropolitan police officer um it's also just the comparison and you know the extensive search that the police undertook you know we saw like hundreds of police searching kent and you know they were searching searching i mean where was the same energy where was the same action when it came to blessing when it came to shukri when it came to richard um And, you know, that that does have to be said. And also the case of um, Nicole Smallman and Bieber Henry. Um, Nicole was 27 and Bieber was uh, 46. They were both um, found stabbed to death in Wembley. Um, And two metropolitan police officers took dehumanizing photos of their dead bodies and sent them along with inappropriate messages in a WhatsApp group. Um, And the officers were only suspended um, after plenty of public uproar for action about this. But um, again, it just shows the way in which um, kind of black people and anyone who's not white and, you know, people of color are treated by the police. And it isn't just, you know, a one off case. I mean, look how many cases there are um which obviously emphasizes a systemic issue um and the next case is John Charles D. Menendez. I do apologize if I've mispronounced his name here. He was a twenty-seven year old Brazilian man. um, And he was shot dead in two thousand and five on a tube in London by Metropolitan Police. Um, He had his hands up and you know he he had no weapons. He had his hands up and they shot him dead. Um, and he and he was purely like chased after and being and he was killed um, purely just from the police racially profiling him as a possible terrorist suspect with absolutely no evidence. Evidence to suggest anything like that. Um, There's been no justice for him, and um, the officers who ordered his murder were actually promoted, Um, and that includes the current commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, Cressida Dick. Um, And I just uh, something that really angered me the past um, few days when when me and Jamie were both kind of looking into what we wanted to include in this podcast um, was the so I was looking into the police reaction to um, the Sarah Everard vigil in comparison to the Prince Philip vigil. Um, And obviously the police did absolutely nothing to the Prince Philip vigil. They just allowed people to do whatever they wanted, no masks, mingling, breaking kind of all kind of lockdown rules. But with Sarah Everard, um, even, you know, they were mourning the death of someone murdered by a metropolitan police officer, the, the complete disproportionate force attacking women, arresting women. um, The comparisons were, just incomparable like it was it was crazy and also um yeah Saw um so there was a kind of you know signature i don't know what you'd call it kind of um viral photos that were taken during the sarah everard vigil of a woman um a young woman with bright uh ginger hair with bright red hair and um this woman i was watching some of the statements she made and she was saying statements um saying that Cressida Dick shouldn't resign as a result of the Met Police, um, what they did in, you know, obviously the police officer who murdered Sarah and also their reaction to the vigil. And she was saying Cressida Dick shouldn't resign because um, she's a notable woman in history. And I just think that kind of just emphasises, I mean, obviously the, the... the young woman who said this was white, I think that just emphasises the need for intersectional solidarity. How can you not say there's an institutional problem with the police? How can you deny someone like Cressida Dick, who actually has ordered the killings of innocent people purely on the basis of racially profiling them? How can you, do I mean, like, how can you completely just say that no action should be done and that's the problem if you're going to be feminist you need to be intersectionally feminist and you need to realize that all these other issues that also go into the struggle of feminism um, which include racism which include transphobia which include homophobia those are all feminist issues too um so yeah i just wanted to emphasize that i think we also before um going further into this podcast we wanted to go into some stats um so yeah do you want to go with your i'll just call you janji <laughs> that's okay go ahead <laughs> Janvi. do you want to go in with your stats first sure
1: um so this first part of information i got it from um, an amnesty website web page whatever you want to oh, call wait
0: it. Should, we, should we just should we just say first these are all statistics to do with the police and kind of emphasizing the argument and yeah. please do not protect us
1: um, so this is what I found from the Amnesty website. Um, so I thought I'd give a little bit of background before I go into actually reading some stats off. Um, so there there are strict international laws and standards governing how and when police can use force, particularly lethal force. So the UN basic principle on the use of force and firearms by law enforcement officials whew, is the key international instrument that deals with police use of force. The most important thing to remember is that it's the obligation of uh, state authorities, which does include police, to respect and protect the right of life. Um, under international law, police officers should only ever use lethal force, at, force, force as a last resort. This means when such force is strictly necessary to protect themselves or others from the imminent threat of death or serious injury and only when others other options for de-escalation are insufficient. So all governments have a duty to incorporate this international human rights law into their domestic legislations, which may have which uh, many have failed to do this adequately. So they've given a couple of examples. Uh, so Mexico Mexico's new law, new national law of the on the use of force, does not limit use of lethal force to situations where it is necessary to protect the lives of others. It does not require that officer to use minimum minimum level of force to resolve a situation. Um, In the US, nine states have no laws at all on the use of lethal force by law enforcement officers, which I think is really important for all sorts of countries and governments to sort of have that put in place to preserve life, which is basically what the police are supposed to be doing. Um, So this is um, a a stat from the United States of America. So by one estimate, black men are 2.5 times more likely than white men to be killed by a police officer during their lifetime um from 2015 in the uk nearly half of 17, 17 officers and staff surveyed said that they if they discovered corruption among their colleagues and cho- chose to report it they did not believe that evidence would be treated in confidence and would fear adverse consequences so even if they have seen something while they're on the job they would feel uncomfortable to even say anything because they don't think it would be taken seriously which is a bit of a concern because you'd think if you saw something wrong you would feel safe enough to say something. Um, Those from BAME backgrounds are disproportionately targeted by the police's increased stop and search powers all around the country. In London black people are more than nine times more likely to be targets of that tactic despite committing no offences. Um, figures from the 2017 to 2018 period show that met officers were four times more likely to use force against black people than white people as a percentage of the population critics have accused the force of profiling young black men in london so um asians in london were 26 percent more likely to be fined by police while white people 23 percent less likely um, in the UK, in the summer of 2017, four young black men in the capital died after being restrained by police. In one incident, witnesses reported that the officer knelt on the man's neck for eight to 10 minutes while bystanders pleaded with him to stop. Which sort of um, brings us to, again, what happened with George Floyd. It's not just an isolated incident in the US. It's a worldwide issue, Um at the end of March last year, 93.1% of police officers were white and 6.9% were from other minority ethnic groups. Um, so according to a lengthy report by the National Campaign Against Torture, an Indian, uh, which is an Indian rights group based in New Delhi, the capital, at least 1,731 people were killed in custody last year. Um so again, these are some information that I've gotten off an Amnesty International website. Um, during protests in Iran in November 2019, police shot and killed hundreds of protest- protesters who posed no risk, including at least three children. Um, in the Philippines, witnesses have described seeing police shoot poor people who were, spe- who were suspected of using or selling drugs as they were on the ground begging for mercy. Um, in 2019, police in Rio de Janeiro Brazil killed 1,810 people, an average of five per day. Um, in 2019, Kenyan police killed 122 people. Uh, between October 2019 and January 2020, police in Iraq killed around 600 protesters. Between 2015 and 2018, over 500 people were fatally shot by the police in, the, in Jamaica and over 300 shot and injured around 1,000 people are killed by police in the US every year. And um, it got me to think out of all these statistics that I've said how many of these deaths could have been avoided and how many of the lives could have been preserved. Like, it's that's what they're supposed to be there for. According to the French ombudsman, young men perceived as North African or Black are 20 times more likely to be subject to identity checks by the police. In 2017, authorities in Russia Republic of Chechnya. Chechnya
0: I'm oh, yeah, yeah, Chechnya. God, your
1: voice scared me there, so oh. <laughs> no,
0: yeah, you said it right.
1: unleashed a wave of attacks on people believed to be gay or lesbian. Dozens of gay men gay men in Chechnya were abducted and tortured. Many were killed at secret detention sites. And sort of the last one that I've got is the in the Dominican Republic, sex workers and especially trans women who are sex workers face appalling abuse at the hands of police including rape beatings and humiliation um I think a lot of this is heavy to take in but a lot of it made me realize especially when we decided to do this subject um while we were researching a lot of it made me realize that it's just not even an isolated issue like on the news we're hearing a lot about America but it's just it's everywhere it's everywhere and reading these things about these countries which I didn't even think to look into it's just it's heartbreaking because you think how many of these have been avoided and how many of these were people that actually did nothing wrong and yeah I think Farah you had some stats as well
0: yeah I had some stats as well just get them ready okay so um the first stat is that Women make up less than 30% of police officers in England and Wales. Um, And all of these stats that I'm reading out kind of all conclude to the same conclusion um, that this podcast is alluding to, which is that the police force is systemically racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic. You know, this police system is... um, you know, it's essentially another form of male domination. Um, so I just wanted to also white male domination. So I just wanted to emphasize that, especially through these stats. Um, so women make up less than 30 percent of police officers in England and Wales. At the end of March 2020, 92.7 percent of police officers were white and 7.3 were from Asian, black and mixed and other ethnic backgrounds. 4.3 percent of senior officers um, so this is in the UK um, were from Asian, black, mixed and other ethnic groups only four percent and in 2007 it was only two percent um ethnic minority individuals make up 14% of the overall population in the United Kingdom, yet make up 26% of the prison population. 22,683 prisoners are from a a minority ethnic group. Um, If our prison population reflected the makeup, the ethnic makeup of the UK, um, we would have over 9,000 fewer ethnic minority people in prison. The economic cost of Black, Asian and minority ethnic um, of representation in our prison system is estimated to be um, costing us 234 million a year. Analysis conducted for the Lamy review found a clear direct association between ethnic group and the odds of receiving a custodial sentence with black people at 53%, Asian at 55% and other ethnic groups at 81% more likely to be sent to prison for an indictable offense at the crown court, even when factoring in higher, not guilty plea rates, which is crazy. Um, Black men are 26% more likely than white men to be remanded in custody. Women entering prison are more likely to have been imprisoned for non-violent offences. Women in prison are likely to be victims as well as offenders. Over half the women in UK prisons report having suffered domestic violence, with 53% of women reporting having experienced emotional, physical or sexual abuse as a child. Many women in prison, um, they have dependent children and an estimated 17,000 children are separated from their mothers by imprisonment every year. Um, 26% of women and 16% of men said they had received treatment for mental health problem in the year before custody. Um, Self-inflicted deaths are 8.6 times more likely in prison than in the general population. 70% 70% of people who died from self-inflicted means whilst in prison had already been identified as having mental health needs. Um, however, the prison and probation ombudsman, PPO, um, found that concerns about mental health problems had only been flagged on entry to the prison for just over half of these people. The ombudsman investigation also found that nearly one in five of those diagnosed with a mental health problem received no more from a mental health professional, um, received no care from a mental health professional whilst in prison. So also talking about um, prisoners here as well. And, um, you know, I feel like they're a very kind of, if not one of the most dehumanized populations. Um, In the UK, um, 75% of ex-inmates re-offend within nine years of release and 39% within the first 12 months. Um, also um, just wanted to give a quick well a few stats on kind of corruption within the police Um, the Metropolitan Police which is the police exclusive to London um, the Metropolitan Police Anti-Corruption Unit has faced several investigations over claims of serious corruption and malpractice within its ranks among the allegations against the force you know there are interfering in investigations, racism and turning a blind eye to wrongdoing the whole of the UK is set to host some 7,500 different organized criminal groups who are involved in executions, assassinations, human trafficking, drug trafficking, and money laundering. And organized crime um, is crime that is done with the collusion of police. Um, so, you know, we are actually hosting 7,500 um, organized crime groups within the UK Um so kind of you know going through all of those stats, um, we kind of wanted to talk about why we wanted to address this today and why it's important to raise awareness of this Um, and just like a stark reminder that the police do not protect us they show up after the crime's been committed they then selectively investigate based on institutional racism sexism and whether or not the crime or incident will expose their corruption and connections to organized crime it's as simple as that Um, and also we can't talk about um, you know police brutality and why the police don't protect us without addressing Black Lives Matter. Um and we touched more in depth um regarding Black Lives Matter and anti racist movements um in episode two and episode six. So if you want to go back and listen to that, please do. Um because we don't want to be repeating ourselves in podcasts. But um yeah, we kind of wanted to address that as well um and the importance of that. And um even in the, the start of the podcast, you know, the case of Sarah Everard um you know it summarizes it summarizes what we're talking about very clearly she she was murdered by a serving male white metropolitan police officer and when women tried to mourn at a peaceful vigil white male metropolitan police officers brutally attacked and arrested them um you know this is a system that doesn't protect us in any way shape or form um And also, I think whilst we're talking about Black Lives Matter, um, I guess it's important to talk about kind of the history of the police Um, and the history being they were actually created, um, especially talking about the US and the UK, they were created initially to capture runaway slaves. Um, And then this force then slowly transitioned with the same systemic racism into a force to protect private property, to protect ruling and political classes, and then transitioned into the police force we see today. So it's still, you know, a systemically racist force that discriminate against ethnic minorities. And, and, you know, they still protect private property and ruling classes. Um, Even the past year, seeing how during the BLM protests, police were... Sent to protect the Winston Churchill statue um, in Parliament Square, Um, the police were there guarding the statue, guarding designer shops, guarding banks, guarding Parliament. Not protecting the people. I think protecting them. What's so crazy?
1: I think because they're aware about the fact that people were going around taking down statues, and I think it's important to recognise the history behind the people that we glorify and the, history, be- and the exactly. history behind people that we have statues up on. Like he himself has said some horrific things. Um, uh, he says some horrific things about Indians. And I just think, you know, it's important to hold these people accountable. And do we really want these people to be pillars of our society and what we stand for? No. And I also think what's really interesting with uh, what you mentioned when you are saying your stats about um, ex-inmates reoffending and um, the prison system as a whole. I think it's so important that maybe we need to look into like prison reforms, maybe programmes so once people are released that they have that sort of support. Um, I'm not too sure what the process is at the moment, whether uh, what kind of support people get once they've been released but um, I think it's important to sort of look into that and to make sure that people have been um, sort of supported in their transition back into the community.
0: Yeah, I get you. Um, I'm kind of more um on the fence of complete abolition <laughs> i just feel like i'm just really extreme voice but um yeah i'm more on the fence of complete kind of abolition in the sense that you can't look at and i think we've have we have always have this overriding messages in the podcast you can't look at a single issue that we're talking about as an isolated it's issue, all an connected. issue that's not connected to other exactly and you know prison abolition and police abolition also it also coincides with that um Like, you know, we know the police are here to only protect the ruling classes, to protect and also protect the the propaganda that sustains their superiority and part of that propaganda is winston churchill he was a very wealthy man wasn't he like so he his mom gave birth to him in a palace and um he was an incredibly wealthy conservative tory man sexist racist um he had horrific policies um and people like to say like he's a war hero he didn't actually fight in the war it was working class people that fought in the war and felt the biggest cost of world war one and world war two um but also kind of um having these statues of Winston Churchill, of Margaret Thatcher, um, of, you know, Leopold Leopold in Belgium and stuff like, yeah, all of these kind of colonizers and these really horrific, um, and they're all conservative. Like, why do we have a statue Mm. of Margaret Thatcher? It's just really baffling to me. But it's to protect, you know, it's to protect and sustain um, this propaganda that kind of perpetuates all these injustices that we're talking about that are interconnected. And it's
1: important to notice that a lot of these people were slave owners were people that brought slaves over so i mean it's just like watch the scramble for africa on youtube it'll tell i watched that the other day just to refresh my memory it's just like really shocking and the fact that around the country these statues of these people are still up is a bit like questionable i don't really get that but i understand what you were saying about abolishing the system i think when something has a foundation built of hatred and just do you know what i mean?
0: literally yeah the police are literally they were created to catch runaway slaves i think
1: it's i understand what you're trying to say by like dismantling it and start all starting all over again and maybe making it from fresh where the actual foundation of it is with good intentions i understand what you're saying in that aspect because um when it's built on that kind of foundation of hate all we'll do is perpetuate the hate and that's honestly the one thing that we say which fire mentioned is everything is connected every single issue we talk about is connected to everything and it affects all of us i think that should be our motto our little logo
0: (laughs) (laughs) it should be our slogan um but also i think like if you really start to like analyze the police and prison system you start to see how every single element of it is more or less to punish and imprison like the working class the minorities um especially like the bail element of the prison custody system. So if you've been arrested, you're waiting for trial. If you're rich enough, you can pay for bail and not have to be in remand in custody. You know what I mean? Um, So and it's really um, it's a system that is really only there and eligible to people who can afford it. Um, And then, you know, then it all starts to make sense. Like when they arrested Jeffrey Epstein, um, the first time he, he paid his way out of it, he he paid his bail. He, it was a very high price of bail as well. He paid his bail. He got people he knew within the police force and institution to pull some strings. And then for years after, he continued raping kids and alongside Prince Andrew as well. And Prince Andrew also still hasn't been arrested for raping kids. But what do we expect? Rich people and especially ruling classes are above the law. Um, and the second time they arrested Jeffrey Epstein, um, he was arrested um, and they denied him bail on the basis that when they searched his home which is very rare for them to deny rich people bail and um bail but i think it's because there was such a media storm around it they couldn't do you know what i mean mm. um all eyes were on them but if all eyes weren't on them he would have gotten away with it um and obviously the kind of the me too movement also um you know if all eyes were on a, like, a particular suspect they they wouldn't do what they would usually do so um they didn't as they usually would have, they probably would have given him bail. But this time they didn't allow him bail because actually police investigated, like they searched his home um, and they found all of these fake passports and kind of all of these uh, forged like fake passports of different identities. Um, And, you know, because this is what well-off organised criminals do they exploit the system? They can afford the bail, afford the means to evade being, you know, rearrested and actually sent down for a sentence. Um, and they can just live their lives and continue breaking the law with impunity. Like, whilst at the same time, we have innocent kids um, arrested for crimes they didn't commit, like Khalif Browder, um, who weren't able to make bail because they aren't well off, they aren't part of the ruling classes, they aren't white, um, and they have to suffer the fate of, you know, in a system. Um, that isn't made for them um and they aren't there you know the police aren't there to protect them they're there to protect the system they're there to protect the the people who profit um, and benefit from that system um and also kind of the the level of organized crime today could not take place without police collusion like it's a fact it's not even a debate um and to say that kind of um crime rates go hand in hand with more police officers is is true um and something that's incredibly current right now um is is this BBC show called line <laughs> of duty um <laughs> uh, which you should watch i actually really love line of duty and um oh and i have a really favorite actor his name's uh patrick belardi um and he was in the recent episode of patrick did a good job me. i love don't you patrick spoil it
1: for
0: me. <laughs> but pat no i love patrick belardi definitely watch line of duty if you haven't already um But this show, so Line of Duty, it shows and highlights also in some episodes how Jimmy Savile, a prolific paedophile rapist, um, he got away with decades of molestation, rape. He had thousands of victims. And it was because the police colluded with him to cover it up. They chose not to investigate. They ignored the victims who came forward and reported it. They chose to, like, ignore it. It's with police collusion and, like, with the police existing as it does today that crime is allowed to continue. It's
1: also sort of, like... What? what? am I mistaken you correct me if I'm BBC aware of what Jimmy Savile was doing because I was thinking if they were aware of why they putting yeah. it in a show made by BBC I sat there and I was like yeah and I was thinking what is, where's the hypocrisy like I was like how did they not realise that and I was just
0: thinking they try to they try to separate themselves from it now, like, Oh, we've got a new director and by the way, the new director is a really prolific Tory conservative. But they try to say, Oh, we've got a new director. That was the BBC then, not the BBC now and that's how they kind of wormed their way around yeah. it. But they all knew Jimmy Savile had, you know, shows on BBC with kids. He he hosted kids shows. And what's his name? Rollings
1: as well. The one who, He painted the Queen. Oh, he literally yeah. painted the Queen, didn't he? It was like it's just uh, honestly, I'm just like uh, it makes me so sick. And it's just like another thing that I was reading is um a, a white police officer was accused of racism after she handcuffed a black man, understood to have been an ambulance driver outside his home in London. And what, it's just so weird because they found no drugs on him. He wasn't arrested. But it may just have been that she thought that he looked suspicious. And so she handcuffed him outside of his own home. Imagine feeling like that outside of your ho- own home, that happening to you, like for me i think it would like every time i come in and out of my house i would just remember that and it'd make me so uncomfortable in my own area it's just i um, honestly, honestly you just can't feel safe even going into your own house
0: and no and, and i wanted to mention as well because i read this news article um it came out just after the the murder of sarah Everard, um but the case of shana grice um she was a 19 year old receptionist from brighton um and she she had gone to the police five times. this is in the u k She went to the police five times over the course of six months to beg police to take action against her stalker. Um, the police did nothing, and they fined her for wasting police time. The stalker then slit her like they the stalker slit her throat. Like this, this guy was absolutely crazy. Like he, he broke into her home, he slit her throat, killed her, and like burnt her body. It's horrific, I mean, only then did the police do something about it. And I just like she went to them five but it, do,
1: times. Don't you see? Like, it, didn't you have a, you had that similar situation which you mentioned in a previous podcast as well? I can't remember in which episode we discussed. I the
0: think it was in one. the yeah. It was why can't home? we just walk home?
1: It just it. I don't know why. I understand, like, the processes that their reaction, like, their, what do you call them, like, their reaction service that they come after it's happened. But I think it's, like, everyone has their right to be taken seriously when they come forward or something. Nobody wants, like, most people don't
0: investigate it if you know who the person is she had all of his details she knew who he was she said it's going to escalate he was sending messages and horrific stuff stalking her like you can pretty much tell it's going to happen
1: and I I think for me it's like even like I just don't know I feel like everyone should be taken seriously I think people most people don't come to the police to report something for fun you know you come for a serious thing that is affecting your life that you need help with otherwise I mean I feel like most people wouldn't go through the trouble of filing a police report and sort of putting themselves in that position where they have to relive everything that's happened to them and have to explain everything that's happened to them
0: Yeah but I think kind of what this echoes and the case of Shana Grice echoes is the kind of prevention is better than a supposed cure afterwards what they should have done is prevented something from happening but that's not why the police exist the police they come after a crime has been committed and that's the exact like the pinpoint problem with the police and with the prison system like it's it's really um and also just from my own experience as well um i i mentioned this more in the why can't we just walk home podcast but um i also was in the position where i had a stalker and the police weren't taking it seriously and it's this kind of you're living your life constantly in fear, and like there's literally no one there to protect you. the police aren 't there to protect me. They did absolutely nothing. They couldn 't even find how this guy lived a few houses away from me um, and God knows what could have happened like do I mean um, if like my community didn't come together and um, actually act on it and uh, help me because the police weren't um, and I just think we need to look at not even reform but complete abolition into a you know um, a system that would focus more on prevention um, and preventing injustice and preventing um, horrific crimes being committed rather than just dealing with it afterwards Um, and I think the current system kind of benefits um, we live essentially right now in countries that are very neoliberal and very um, they don't want to fund public services they don't want to fund you know they want to fund the bare minimum basically so they can pocket the rest and embezzle the rest um so obviously they're not going to invest in community and they're not going to invest in um mental health um institutions and mental health um services to people um they would much rather just deal with oh we'll just hold someone prisoner um and not really have to look after them and we'll just do it's cheaper you know what i mean
1: with what they were trying to do with free school meals to the point where people like Marcus Rash would have to come forward and to sort of create their own thing to help people have free school meals. I don't understand, like, why? Why are you taking meals out of kids' mouths? Like, I just don't get that. That broke my heart because I I had free school meals at that point. And ugh, honestly, it's just like money needs to go where money needs to go for the welfare of everybody. It's just, ugh, I don't understand.
0: Yeah. And I think kind of I agree with you. And I think whilst we're talking about specifically the police, we have to also talk about prisons and why prisons are essentially, like, obsolete. They're outdated. They're no longer fit for purpose, or were they ever, like, to be honest. But um, we should refrain from saying, like, maybe um, we need police reform or we need prison reform because both systems were already once reformed. And, like, this is what we're left with. You can't reform, like, a systemic um, racist, sexist and inhumane system of punishment, of um, law and order. Like, you can only create a new system that protects and seeks justice for all. Um and I think kind of one overriding um that's one overriding thing that's really overlooked is like the death penalty. And you have to question any also I just want to say I'm against the death penalty in all cases for Me everybody. Too. Um, Me too. You have to question yeah you have to <laughs> you have to question any supposed legalized force given the right to take life because once they kind of they're allowed to give the death penalty like these kind of um you know the case of police brutality that end in loss of life it's not really an issue anymore because you've not emphasized the purpose of life mm. whilst you have the death penalty um and Like yes, we have people who may have committed the most unimaginable, horrific crime, who may have taken life themselves, but taking their life isn't justice, Um, and you know, taking up the preventative measures to ensure something as horrific never happens again, that is justice, because then you're preventing that suffering happening again. again I think where
1: there's the death penalty so I'm going to talk of a few cases that I know off of hand so there's there was one um this was many decades ago where um a little well he was little boy was a young boy he was accused of um assaulting two he was black he was accused of assaulting two young white girls yeah I think I know who um, you're talking about he basically even though he was a very small person they had concluded that he wouldn't have been able to um i think pick them up or anything like that but they still strapped him onto the electric chair when you look at the pictures you can just see how small he is in comparison to the chair and you know they killed him because they thought he did it and in the end it was concluded that he couldn't even he wouldn't have been able to even pick them up or anything like because he was small no no so that's no. the case this of emmett somebody else. emmett he was he was um, oh. thrown into the lake remember cuz he um yeah
0: Oh, I know you're talking
1: about now. Yeah, no, I it's electric really um, Oh, It's just really sad because I was thinking he's just such a young boy and we, that, that life was taken away needlessly because they literally said after that he wouldn't have been able to do it. And another movie that I actually went to go and see with my mom in the cinema, this was pre-COVID life and, you know, going to the cinema was okay. This was years ago. I think it was 2019 or 2020. No, it won't be 2020, sorry. 2019 must have been. Um uh, it's called Just Mercy and um, basically it's a true story about a lawyer who um, he's a black lawyer and he's taken on a case about a black man who's been falsely accused of killing a white woman in America and basically how he was framed and how they were going to take his life and it's just such like a it's a really sad movie to watch because you realise somebody actually went through this and you see the story through his eyes and also the lawyer's eyes and um. They also mentioned at the end like there was somebody else who was falsely accused of doing a crime as well and the lawyer tried his best to save his life, but in the end he couldn't and he um he passed away because he was killed. And it just it really like, if you if you ever have time, please watch that movie. Not just because it has Michael B. Jordan in it, but because it's a really great movie. It is really good. And it, by the end of it, me and my mum were literally just in tears because we were we were just like how can we like even like if people are, did the crime how can we justify when we're like them and we're taking their life that doesn't make us any better you know the whole eye for an eye thing it doesn't make us any better and there's also the marginalized like the the percentage of people who actually didn't do that crime and are actually being killed for something that they didn't even do in the first place so I don't know if the whole thing needs to be questioned about why that's still a thing
0: Exactly, and why people are on death row and it's just really horrific. And I think the first case you yes. were talking about was George Stinney and if anyone wants to look that up, look up the cases of George Stinney and um, Emmett Till. I didn't want to mention of Emmett Till because what actually happened was the people, they were found innocent and because in America you can't Double be tried Jeopardy. for the same crime twice, they actually, yeah, they sold their story and they said, yeah, we did do it and they actually admitted it and they sold their story. So um, they kill- they literally killed him. Which I just think him. just shows how messed up the system it's is. Like- yeah, and they admitted it with pride. Afterwards, they it's were found like innocent. People, it's really
1: people who, despicable. I don't know. I, I just it, it really upsets me. I remember when we learnt about it in college, and our teacher literally just put the pictures of Emmett to up on the screen, and I just I couldn't breathe. I was just so upsetting. It was just like, like the, it got the wind taken out of me because it, he was so young and it wasn't really that long ago. I I think I read something that he'd literally still be alive today in his sixties or, in, and it just, these things yeah. are still very current. When you look about what's happening at the moment, you would think that over the course of maybe 40, 50, 60 years, things would change, but it really hasn't. And it's in terms of police forces in general. And it's just like to have the nerve to put your knee on somebody's neck, which they use to breathe, to have the nerve to think oh, that's okay to do makes me feel sick. Like, it makes me
0: feel sick honestly it i don't know the police is essentially like it's the embodiment of male white domination they have the right to you know i mean it's pretty crazy they have the right to completely like i mean what i've seen in past recent weeks like completely attack you punch you hit you with absolute impunity and you have to question that kind of um untouchable force um, and what that means and what it can lead to, and what it has led to, and what we 're going to do about that and I think kind of one um, really important thing to address um, is the prison industrial complex and it 's a term like this term comes from um, it's, basically the prison industrial complex means the overlapping in like interests of government and industry that use surveillance police prison imprisonment as a way to benefit political and corporation interests and how they're all kind of intertwined. So the police, prisons, they're all like intertwined into benefiting um, political and corporation interests. Um, and, you know, more and more prisons are being built. More poorer people are being arrested who can't make a bail, who then are stuck in the system. And what does this mean? This means like corporations can exploit them for prison labor, which is essentially slave labor. They can pay them below minimum wage like a few pence a few cents per hour if anything at all um because usually they get paid nothing uh, and companies that use prison labor are like companies that you really wouldn't expect like McDonald's Starbucks Victoria's secret whole foods um wait, I have a list of them somewhere um uh, HP shell bp revlon nintendo honda Boeing, Boeing, which is a really disgusting corporation. Dell, oh, Johnson, and Johnson, Johnson, up. another disgusting corporation. Um, <laughs> Motorola, um, Exxon Mobil, another disgusting corporation. Um, and kind of prison labor in the United States is explicitly allowed by the Thirteenth Amendment. And I remember watching a documentary on Netflix. It's called thir- It's called Thirteenth. Um, so prison labor is allowed through the Thirteenth Amendment of the US Constitution which states that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction so this amendment basically legalizes prisoners um, to be used as slave labor like I Um, remember that
1: was going around social media with all the names of the companies and you think like why I like I was baffled to read Nintendo like Bloody hell, why? why? Like, it's like ruining Pokemon for me. Because
0: it makes the money. Because it it make the money. They Pokemon can just get free labour. Why not you trying to not ruin not? My free childhood?
1: Labor. Like, seriously. Honestly, it's like... And then I looked at myself and I was like, bloody hell, like, all these companies are companies that we've all bought from. And it's just like, they need to fix up, man. Honestly, it's just, it's embarrassing. It's, ugh, I don't know... <sighs>
0: But it's kind of it's the greed, and uh, money. Corporations are sick. Like the amount of power they have, the greed, the money. That they're just sick. And you know, also it's an argument where people who often are racist and they say things like, "Oh, immigrants have taken all of our jobs." It's, it's no. It's just those corporations have moved overseas where they can get cheaper labor. It's nothing about immigrants. I mean, and you need to kind of point the finger of blame where it needs to be pointed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And where it needs to be addressed. Um, and I don't. I don't know what is a bigger example. Of kind of um, from the 13th Amendment that kind of just emphasizes how um, we live in a system that purely just benefits the ruling classes and the rich and the corporations. The US you know, has the largest number of prisoners in the world. They have over 2 million people incarcerated and they don't want to even try to prevent people getting arrested because the corporations can use them for slave labour. So there's absolutely no need for like, do you know what I mean? There's no kind of oh, how are we going to prevent crime? How are we going to do this? How, you know, how should we bring prison numbers down? Oh, actually, let's just build more prisons, then we can get more um, slave labour, um, you know, and it's, I it's really messed up. I, um, but I do
1: understand why when you like throughout the, my friendship with you, you have always said like these things need to be like started again, they need to be taken down and started again, as in, like, in a way, because they're built on a foundation of things that are hatred and things that shouldn't exist now anymore. And I feel like, as a society, as we evolve and as we become more politically aware, and as we should be more politically aware, I feel like for years ago, people didn't want, really want to talk about it, blah blah, blah. but I feel like now people want to have that conversation and more open to have that conversation to learn i mean the people that i know at least um i think that maybe these things need to be re-looked at in a way that benefits us all but i think it will never work because i mean we're just all like regular regular people we're not the rich millionaires that make you know that make society keep going in that sort of capitalism greed money want need, society
0: yeah yeah but i do think people power power does have the possibility to make this happen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um and I think kind of we just also wanted to address like um our our arguments for prison and police abolition or kind of the arguments that are already out there. Like if you say if you're someone who says, you know, I call for police and prison abolition, like you're instantly bombarded with questions like, oh where are you going to put all the prisoners? What is going to happen to all these criminals? Like we're just going to have criminals roaming the streets free just committing crime. Um, which I think is a really ridiculous way to look at it. Um, And the answer is like by building a society that does not need prisons is how we're going to tackle crime. And what's happening currently, like decent and fair redistribution of power and resources into community. That's how we're going to do it. Like that's how we're going to have prison and police abolition. Um, And I was reading a book by um Angela Davis um, a few weeks ago. It's called um, Our Prisons Obsolete. I'd really recommend reading it. It's, it's not a big book and it kind of just summarizes everything <laughs> perfectly without any bullshit in between. Um, and just have to keep it real. I've read some books where it's just yeah, like <laughs> some pages are just too like. Do you know what I mean? It's just nonsense. Um, and she mentioned an author in this book called Arthur Waskow. Um, and he states how this first step. So, by building a society that doesn't need doesn't need prisons by decent and fair redistribution of power and resources into community, this first step puts out the fire of burglary by um, the poor and then embezzlement from the rich. And then, from that way forward, we can work towards a sense of community that can support, reintegrate, and truly re- rehabilitate those who suddenly become filled with like fury or despair and that we can face them not as objects not as criminals but as people who have committed illegal la illegal acts like people um they've committed illegal acts like all of us have in some way shape or form um and when i read this book by angela davis you know it was a book that really transformed the way that i view police and prisons massively um and in her book she states how the alternative to police and prison abolition lies with so many things. Um, so the first thing is um, also, again, it's all these things are interconnected. So it lies with um, the demilitarization of schools um, and revitalizing education at all levels, universally free education. So abolishing private schools, um, a health system that provides both free physical and mental health care to all and a justice system based on reparation and reconciliation rather than retribution and vengeance um schools are the most powerful alternative to prisons and jails um also just want to say again we need to abolish private schools um and you know make all schools a place that encourages joy for learning and that includes removing armed guards from schools and places of education and so i want to say that me and janvi went both went to um, a college so college is when you're from 16 to 18 so essentially the final years of high school um we both went to a college um that regularly had police searches for knives and mm, weapons yeah, and like had um, yeah. what do you call those things you, metal detectors i think yeah um, and we were made to attend like compulsory police presentations on joint enterprise um which is a law that means like if you're involved in a you're crime even though you can physically commit it you will get the same sentence you yeah you'll it? get the same sentence as the perpetrator um yeah, and the the way they pointed it out in this presentation was purely just on the basis of knife crime, though. And it's that kind of, like, um, that presence in school that, that does kind of contribute to um, crime rates, and it's undeniable. Like, if you listen to a song Big up um, Dave. by Dave, Big Up Dave, um, it's a song called Question Time, and I remember listening to it a few years ago when it came out, um, and, you know, he says kind of, he says in the, the song, that all of um, the crooks and criminals responsible for Grenfell should go down for joint enterprise, um, which just really highlighted how joint enterprise is only really used against people of color and people from poorer and working class communities. Um, and kind of all the laws that we have in place, again, um, serve the interests of the ruling classes, the rich, um, and not the rest of us. Um, Angela also wrote in this book how there are more people in prison with mental health and emotional health conditions than in actual mental institutions. Um, And these institutions... um, also, mental institutions are as brutal as prisons and shouldn 't really you know exist in the current form that they do um, You know when talking about prison and police abolition there isn 't just one alternative there are several alternatives that include like radical transformations of many aspects of our society that all need to be collectively implemented um and all these alternatives must address, you know, racism, male dominance, homophobia, transphobia, class bias, and other structures of domination. Um, she also mentions how, like, an example of one of the many steps that needs to be taken is how drugs should be decriminalized. Um, and we saw under Ronald Reagan and his so called um war on drugs. I despise Ronald Reagan and how his so called war on drugs, you know, it led to the unlawful incarceration for an unprecedented number of people of colour. Um and, you know, those things are all tied together and we have to realise that. And, you know, along with this decriminalization comes free dre um free drug rehabilitation programmes, which I think Jamie mentioned earlier. Um, as this is something right now like very exclusive to people who can afford it um, and I think all of those things do tie in hand in hand and it 's more kind of economically inv- inconvenient for um, you know wealthy governments to to think, oh you know the way to really tackle crime is by investing into all of these different institutions, investing into health into education, into drug rehabilitation programs um, it 's inconvenient, and they don 't want to spend money doing that. Um, they would much rather just spend the minimum amount of money on prisons, mm. keeping people um, essentially with no rights whatsoever um, than to actually fund what could actually, you know, I think act, it's prevent really crime important and create well a better society. To sort of um, highlight
1: how important mental mental health is. I mean, we all have our ups and downs, but it's just so important to sort of support people through that. Even Like if they're in prison, maybe how, I don't, I don't know a lot about the prison system. I would I'll admit that, but I wonder if they just have mental health, programs just like seminars and just like supports if uh, prisoners have if prisoners have like a therapist that they There's can go to, nothing. or like somebody there that they can talk to, because honestly, I think even nothing. like everyone thinks like some people may think, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I have good mentor, but it doesn't matter. Like you can have ups and downs, just because like you go to a therapist doesn't mean that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a positive thing to talk about it, and I think they would benefit from that if they have an outlet in that sort of sense talk to me, some talk to somebody who's actually a, a trained professional. I can't highlight that enough how important it is to get that sort of support.
0: yeah and to also kind of um we're kind of very much in the society that demonizes and dehumanizes people based on parts of themselves they can't control so that's whether that's their race that's their class um you know any of those things but also someone's mental health and i think people more more times than none will view someone as evil than per se has mental health issues because purely someone to commit Uh, something that horrific is not in their right sense of mind You know what I mean? It's not essentially evil. I think
1: I'm not too sure. Again, I I can't remember the individual's name. Sorry about that. It it was in America where um, a man was having a mental health crisis. And uh, did the police shoot him or they, they did something to him?
0: oh my god yes they did exactly. they did shoot him and the mother was I like please don't really, he's got mental health problems really i remember i know what you're talking
1: about if the police force are going to be called to the scene if that's part of their job they get the necessary training to understand shoot never if it's a, like do you know what i mean like don't shoot like it's a mental health crisis is important for them to get that training so that they understand how to manage these situations instead of going in guns first and i think if the, if they would have
0: so that's the point they, they, they yeah. they're they not going to ever care about if they all were those to, treat him like factors, to shoot, and kill, understand done. where
1: he was coming from then he would still be alive he just needed help he didn't need that kind of violence all he wanted was help and I think they really failed him in that in that instance and it, it just broke my heart because we, we all like have mental health concerns in terms of sometimes we fall down and we all may know people that have you know Um, mental health concerns where they need support as well and you wouldn't want that to be a family member and you wouldn't want that to be yourself or even your friends, you wouldn't want that to be anyone that you know and it's just, even looking as a police officer, they wouldn't want it to be anyone in their, like I don't understand that as a person who's probably part of a family, who has friends who has family, why wouldn't they think what if this was my brother, what if this was my son what if this was I. it's just
0: They've been indoctrinated through police training and also it's just like these people Mm, come from I mean, look at Derek Chauvin, the man who killed George Floyd, and the history he had, and even the the police officer who, um, do you remember the Atlanta shooting? Yes, um, and not the head police officer who made racist, that press statement; he was just having uh, a bad yeah, day. Saying, and then him um, himself was posting China racist on a t-shirt. Post. Yeah. And I'm just
1: saying, these are the people that are to quote protect and serve us, but these are the people that have those viewpoints. So how can we expect as an equal society to feel protected when these are the people that are upholding the law? that is set by i mean which is set in that sort of sense as well but like how can we feel safe and i just feel like honestly didn't they get him like food as well as something like that and it's just like really shocking and it's just
0: yeah that was it yeah, the charleston church shooter they actually um, they bought him it's burger king i never forget I think, I don't that know. no i agree with you um I think kind of also the argument for abolishing prisons is hand in hand with abolishing youth, juvenile facilities, immigration detention centres, like it all needs to be abolished. and it goes along with this wider notion of funding community um, and distributing all power and resources to all and, you know, creating a community free from racism, sexism, classism and, you know, um, pushing people to follow Mm. their passions and to prosper Um and to have access to all the services they may need. Um, and you know we just have to think about it though like do you want to continue in a world where we are being killed walking home where prisons use slave labor you know criminals who who are rich enough you know they never have to face justice or would you prefer that we start you know investing into our community Um, and I think the option is pretty clear and we'll see a result you know directly um, with you know juxtaposed to like um, investing I just want to mention that the rather who than investing was in more police, having a mental
1: health crisis his name was Walter Wallace Jr and um he was having a obvious mental health crisis before an officer told the other to shoot him um and another one which i also i've just um, read about is a US Navy veteran who was experiencing a mental health crisis died after a police officer called out to help him knelt on his neck for several minutes Um, and he was 30 he was suffering a bout of paranoia anxiety and depression in his home and instead of coming in to help him they knelt on his neck for several minutes and and you know killed him it's just kind of crazy because this person was a U.S. Navy veteran like honestly like where's the respect for veterans and everyone do you know what I mean like we all should be treated the same of course but like it's just like do you understand what I'm saying like police and navy sort of the same sort of sort of government thing like they can't even respect each other so why would we expect them to re- respect us Does that make sense it's weird my my thought my thought track that's where that was going
0: no I get you no I'm not get you I think it's just kind of this wider So obviously the police dehumanize people but it's also kind of um and I remember when I was in when I was oh, college I been in college as well I swear this is where everything <laughs> went down um but in college yeah. I I was part of do you remember that debating club I was part of? <laughs> uh, I just love to annihilate people, it's quite fun, but um I was part of this debating club and like one of the debates we had to talk about was how um one of the debates we had to address was how should prisoners have the right to vote? Um and to me that was a pretty like unanimous like not unanimous, it was a pretty clear answer, like obviously. Like I'm sorry, like why I mean why I just it's this complete concept that you are stripping away someone's all of someone's rights and it's okay to do because that's the kind of police domination we can take that person's life after they've done so and we live in a system where like once you start doing that, you then start paving the way for other people to not have their rights and so on and so forth. And that's it's that's the system um, we have. Yeah, and that's man the system I we have.
1: Um the US um, Navy veteran. His name was Angelo Quinto, I just wanted to put a name to the story.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's, I just think it's a pretty clear answer on what we need to do and, you know, how to do it. Um, Police aren't working, prisons aren't working. And if we invest in community and all the resources people need, um, we'll just see how society changes. You'll see how um, there'll be less people, um, you know, committing crimes and so on and so forth. Um, and also people who kind of are never touched by the law will actually start to have to answer to the law um, in a system that is equal. Um, I just find it, for me personally, just inherently unfair that there are people who are protesting climate change who have been arrested, and they're actually sitting in jail, whilst prolific paedophiles like Prince Andrew are just li- living on their merry way, living on a re- you know a really luxurious lifestyle funded by us. And he can just get away with everything he's done and probably still continue to do it just because of the class he comes from. And that's the kind of society we are living in today. Like protesters who, you know, protest something that um, whether it's climate change, whether it's for Palestine, whether it's, um, you know, stopping deportation flights, um, Mm. those people are fighting for people's rights. Do you know what I mean? Why are they then, being arrested and their rights being taken away and it's this kind of like toxic yeah. circle that's from always going to go yes, around from, unless we like, demand when change saying, and like, have revolution me,
1: like do you remember that dakota access pipeline protest that happened like four or five years ago i was just thinking about how the fact yes, that they were yeah. literally protesting about um seriously like the the native american protesting against dakota access pipeline that run that run within half a mile of the local reservation and the fact that um according to wikipedia the arrests for f- over 487 people arrested for protesting on something that is fundamentally like it's it's
0: ca- whilst people it's destroying like where, the land and actually going to cause people cancer and god knows what else
1: the that, on their merry way let's have some respect about the fact that they came to their land and they sort of like push them out onto reservations and to then want to get, go on the reservation when we put, when they were put, well, not we, that's not me, we, not we, when they were pushed onto those, res- do you know what I mean? Like to even go to the land that they had to try to make, um to the pipeline to run within half a mile of the reservation and then to arrest like almost 500 people, where are the priorities,
0: I agree. And I think it kind of ties hand in hand with um, the the notion of pre- like prison and police abolition into like settler colonial state abolition as well. You can't possibly ever have a functioning United States ever exist because of the history it has. The same with the police. You can't possibly ever have a police and prison abolition system because of the history it has and what it does and what it currently is. Um, like, people are like, oh, my God. I saw some people saying, God bless America, when Biden really was cringe. elected. Like, that's some... Do you know what I mean? It's just cringe, man. But it was... But it's like it, you can never, all oh, when Barack Obama was elected president, and people are like, oh, it's a new dawn, it's a new dawn. It, it's not, it's not at all unless you completely dismantle all the forms of settler colonial oppression within that land and give indigenous, the Native Americans, the indigenous people, the First Nations of that land, full sovereign like sovereignty, full um, leadership. Yeah. They're on, you know, they're fully leading to our island. I just like that's I when we'll see justice and that's when we'll see arresting change. Arresting of
1: peaceful protesters, like even. Um, in the Black Lives Matter, some cer- certain people that were arrested that were just peacefully protested. I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna sort of put myself on there. I watched The Real Housewives, yes, I'm sorry. Um, pretty much all of them, sorry. <laughs> um, so I'm watching one? the newest season of Atlanta where they um touch upon Black Lives Matter quite a lot, and especially one of them, she is a descendant of a civil rights activist, I think it was her grandfather. Let me just correct myself I think it was her grandfather um Portia Williams her grandfather What's was Hosea Williams who was a uh civil rights leader activist ordained minister businessman blah blah, blah science, politician and he um I think he worked closely with um Martin Luther King Jr um Sorry, I didn't mean to say Barbara in case that sounded rude. I meant businessman, philanthropist, scientist, politician. Um, I said Barbara when there was only two more things to say. Apologise. Um, but she um, she was at a protest, and I think there were cameras there because obviously she's filming a show, or it was like on her phone or something. But she was arrested for just peacefully protesting for Breonna Taylor, and they even touch upon the fact that when the they were filming all of them together when the sentencing for Breonna Taylor. Um, her trial happened and honestly to be honest I cried as well because um, the outcome was about the fact that out of the police officers only one of them was actually um, prosecuted arrested I'm not sure on the correct terminology but in fact he was given the charge or charged when he was given the charge of the the fact that he shot into the wrong apartment not about the fact that he actually killed someone so they're not acknowledging the fact that she was actually murdered they're acknowledging the fact that oh we shot the wrong place you know oops but not about the fact that somebody's life was taken and I and when I was watching that I just realized like and them themselves as black women crying I just like I felt the pain I just started crying too because I just felt so sorry for them and I was just thinking honestly these people are there to protect us. but do they really in that sense where we can't even acknowledge where somebody has done something wrong I think accountability is a really important factor into when somebody has done something wrong and they can't even acknowledge the fact that Breonna Taylor was murdered and then you know and the fact that they arrested her boyfriend which is again even crazier as well
0: It's honestly, I I don't know what is like the bigger, um, kind of the what is a more bigger argument than the Black Lives Matter movement for complete prison and police abolition. I mean, look at how many cases does like, it's countless. It's honestly endless. And I remember when it first came, um, like when people start you know started protesting in. Um, after george floyd after was this june 2019 may end of may um 20 no 2020 i just i can't i can't deal with um post-covid life i just don't have any sense of time um but it was june may 2020 and um kind of all these cases came out you kind of see what happened to Breonna taylor you see what happened to Khalif browder and kind of um you know all of these these different cases and it's so I mean, why is a bigger argument than to have complete prison and police reform and the people reform abolition and people are, you know, and people are saying, Oh, you know, we should maybe have, um, slight reform, but not complete abolition. Cause what else are we going to do? They're, they're speaking from a place of privilege and it's predominantly white people who will make that argument. Um, and even in the case of what happened to Sarah Everard, the, you know, what were govern- what was like what did the Conservative Party, the British government say, Oh, let's have more police, that's the solution, is more police. It's not kind of this system of let's invest in community and re kind of um, and so you know, revitalize education for people to realise and to understand um that, you know, these forms of domination are illegitimate, they shouldn't exist, we shouldn't feel um, you know, men shouldn't feel they're superior to women, they have the right to do this, or you know what I mean? Or one race is superior to another I mean, and it's that kind of Um, approach that we that we need to condemn and also push our approach of you know complete redistribution fair redistribution of wealth and power into community Um, and that really but that lies with kind of the root cause of many 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 issues once we kind of dismantle these forms of power dismantle these forms of domination because police and policing is one of the the last forms of it, once we dismantle Didn't that, they, like, also they, are mentioned gonna that see they were going to have a positive have shift awesome, and change um, in our society.
1: What do you call, like, police that aren't in uniform, just a regular clothes, going to, like, bars and yeah, yeah, bars, undercover and bars. Oh, and bloody blah, hell, blah, blah, community blah, blah, blah. police.
0: Oh. Because that's what we need, that's what we need, undercover police in nightclubs, you know, weirdly watching I women. I just don't know
1: how safe I would be It's so strange, around, like, man. Bum, I don't know, you know where they
0: come up with this crap. Especially when a met police officer killed Sarah and that's their response to the murder. I mean, how ridiculous. Okay, a police officer killed her. So we're gonna put more money into more police. I mean, what the hell? I mean, who came up with it? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Because they don't wanna spend mm-hmm. the money that needs to be spent on actually funding community and actually funding the ways in which that'll prevent more people losing their I also lives. Find just, it, you know, so more women crazy, losing like, their like, lives just the, walking home.
1: Um in the things that I was talking about earlier, where, and even you mentioned as well, about how um, basically people are not willing to come forward if they see their colleague do something wrong, which I think is sort of like, if you see your colleague do something wrong in terms of like such a thing like a police force, if someone has done something wrong, like maybe they handled somebody incorrectly or something like that, they just are afraid to be like a whistleblower. But I think if you really see something that's concerned you, that it could be, I don't know, That they've, you know, something to do with drugs, something to do with how they've handled somebody that they've tried to arrest or something like that. I think it's important that we have to hold people accountable if that's what they're there for. I think it should be transparent and that we should see all aspects of that.
0: I agree. I agree. Um, I think we have come to the end of the podcast. Lengthy, lengthy. Um, As we're getting a bit it's getting a bit long now (laughs) yeah (laughs) um just want to say thank you for everyone tuning in um, and tuning into previous episodes as well if you do have any kind of topic suggestions or topics you want us to address or talk about um you can leave you know you can message our instagram which is revolution now podcast Um, um, (laughs) also our email which is revolution now wait Wait, what is that email it's
1: revolution (laughs) now podcast at gmail.com but i'm not 100 percent sure
0: Okay. Well, no, I think it is, or is it podcast revolution? (laughs) Wait, let me just check. Let me just check. (laughs) Poker. Oh, very good. Okay, so it is. I was right. It's it's podcast (laughs) revolution now. Okay, got it. God, that was really stressful. There gave me a few heart palpitations. Um. But yeah, if you do have any topics you would like us to address or talk about, just, you know, send them through to those two places. And also, um, kind of, we are kind of going off topics that are current and that are important to us and that kind of are all interconnected into, um, I guess, the, the cause of revolution. So, yes, so yes that's everything. Hope you all have a, a great God week. Bless. Until bye next time. Bye,
1: bye. Welcome to the Revolution Now podcast.
0: I'm Farah. I'm Janvi. And through this podcast, we ask you, the listeners, to join us and to educate,
1: organise
0: and to agitate.